In today's episode, we will continue with the fourth and last installment on the recognition of foster care and teen pregnancy prevention awareness in America and how the dynamics of each affect abused children. Peace and light and many blessings, family. This is Elegant Granny, your creator and host of the Proactive Eye podcast. Last week's episode was about how teen pregnancy prevention affects children in America. This week's focus is about my personal experience as an abused child and the effects of teen pregnancy prevention had on me. Now, a few disclaimers. I have never experienced living in a foster home, nor ever been a pregnant teen, but I do know what it was like being abused as a child. Fortunately for me and my sisters, we come from an exceptionally large family and my mother's relatives supported her raising us, so we never had to be separated or felt we were never loved because everyone did something to make us feel wanted and special. Now, I have worked with many who have lived in foster homes or pregnant as teens. It has always been a joy not only experiencing them in a teaching capacity, but also as godchildren, some of which became some of my family members through verbal adoption. And I also have ties with adults as friends who lived as foster children growing up, including my ex-husband. I am also proud of the fact that I was instrumental in keeping children in their homes with their parents and helping them manage behaviors so the home could be a place of peace and not chaos. This is how I've gained so many godchildren who still call me granny to this day. I love now how the tables are turned and they now make sure I'm okay as when I did when they needed the same. I was born in the late 60s and grew up in the 70s. I do not remember too many of my peers living in foster homes other than many of us were living with relatives or friends of the family as another means of dwelling in a safe environment for us if our homes were not safe enough. These were people involved in our lives and in our parents' lives, and if it was deemed by them your home was not appropriate enough for your child or children, they would just come by and swoop us up and let you know they were taking us until you got yourself together. And that was it. That was life as I remember during that time for us. I did not have the experience of living in a foster home, as I said earlier, but what I remember after my mother leaving an abusive situation, her relatives stepped in a lot to support her with us. As I said before, I'm the eldest of 20 grandchildren. My grandfather, her father, was child number 21 out of 22. So the likelihood of going into a foster home was very slim for us because there were so many relatives. We predominantly stayed with our maternal grandparents. By we, I mean my two sisters and I. There are actually four of us girls, but my younger sister wasn't born at the time, and she was also from my father's second marriage. My stepmother was also from a large family. I do remember reasons why some of my other friends were taken from their homes and stayed with other family members. A lot of them were sexually abused by their mother's boyfriends or were exposed to their mothers being physically beaten by their husbands or boyfriends. 
there was still a plethora of elders and neighbors concerned about the welfare of children and the African proverb of it takes a village to raise a child was still strong at this point. Now to also add, I remember neighbors stepping in to save children being exposed to abuse. This is something not as common today. As far as my memory serves, the saving grace of relatives and neighbors protecting children from these horrific exposures began slowing down somewhat towards the 80s. I don't remember it happening as often during this time. So life as an abused child, not only were my sisters and I exposed to my mother being abused, but we also experienced being abused as we attempted to save her from being abused. We were in elementary school during the time. I was only seven when we escaped. My sisters were younger as to give you some idea of how young we all were. I specifically remember one incident when mama had us on our knees in the living room teaching us to pray. She came from an independent Baptist background and her family had a very strong prayer life. Prayer meant everything to them. While we were praying, a family member came in and snatched us off our knees and began fighting our mother. Being we have a protecting nature, it was common for my sisters and I to try to save her. He would push us away and continue fighting her. At some point, when I was seven years old, she grabbed us up and ran away. We stayed with her parents for about a couple of years before we ended up with our own place, which was just on the next hill down from them. Our neighbors were our extended family members, so anything anybody needed, if they had, we had. As a preteen and early teen, I remember in junior high, some friends of mine were coming up pregnant by their mother's boyfriends. This was a big blow, especially to a child that age, at 12, 13, and 14. It was mind-blowing that some of my friends were pregnant. We were still children. My family is very open and candid with conversations with our youth. So, of course, I disclosed this information with my older relatives. My grandfather used to always say, experience is a good teacher, but you don't always have to be the one doing the experiencing. Learn from someone else's mistake and make good decisions from the lessons you learn from their mistakes. I did not want to be pregnant as a teen. I remember the girls and my friends being sent away to another school in town away from the rest of us. Sometimes, some of the elders in town thought they were protecting the rest of us by trying to keep us away from them. My thought was, they are still my friends no matter what. I was old enough to reason what happened to them was not their fault because according to my pregnant friends, these were all adult men in their 30s and 40s who impregnated them. And I was determined to be a support system for them as much as I could by listening when they needed to vent and share their feelings. I was very nurturing even as a child. I was always nursing animals and anyone I felt were in pain. That's how I ended up in nursing at the age of 16. But I digress. The turmoil my friends were experiencing I did not want. So anyone, especially grown men who attempted to touch or talk to me in an inappropriate manner, were immediately reported to my uncles or my grandfather. 
Now, of course, being there were so many of them and the neighbors who really cared, they didn't bother me too much. Now, in high school, of course, as a teen girl, I went through hormonal changes and wanted to be noticed by some of the boys I grew up with or shared classes with at school. Although some of them expressed interest in me, I wasn't willing to do anything to get pregnant. First of all, I did not want to experience what some of my girlfriends were going through, like being shunned as if they were some strange disease. And second, we grew up in a holiness church. As I said, my mother grew up Baptist, but we were raised Kojic, which is Church of God in Christ. Hell and damnation was embedded in us to be in great fear of, so the fear of going to hell in the mind of, of a child was not a place I was willing to go. It was really as simple as that for me. The adults preached and talked about hell as this awful place where you burned and were tormented forever, and I was not into that. Being as I trusted these people, I took them at their word, so anything that had to do with sex just wasn't happening for me. Now, of course, as an adult, my mind shift, shift, my mindset shifted from that as I evolved, but that's another story for another time. If you are a youth experiencing inappropriate behavior from an adult towards you, don't be afraid to let someone know. These people know it is wrong to approach you or touch you in this manner and want to cause you harm. It is not your fault if they approach you, touch you, or force themselves on you. Let everyone know exactly who they are and what they did or said to you, even if they are related to you. For those who are adults and were sexually abused as children, please seek the support of a mental health specialist. You have been through a traumatic situation, and although some of you are high-functioning and able to work and continue on with life, there are some things about those experiences that still affect you today. Please seek the help of a mental health specialist to help you be more successful. To give you a few stats, in a report by the YWCA, 93% of children are abused sexually by adults they know. Nearly 70% of all reported sexual assaults occur to children ages 17 and under. One in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused before they turn 18 years old. 12.3% of women were aged 10 or younger at the time of their first rape victimization, and 30% of women were between the ages of 11 and 17. 96% of people who sexually abuse children are male. 76% are married men, and 76.8% of people who sexually abuse children are adults. Abusers tend to utilize a manipulative process called grooming in order to gain the families and the victims' trust, providing them with more access to the child. Grooming behaviors may include special attention, outings, and gifts, isolating the child from others, filling the child's unmet needs, filling needs and roles within the family. 
and treating the child as if he or she is older. Now it is time that I share some things you can do as a supporter of abused children. Children who have experienced abuse often keep it a secret. One of the best ways to prevent child sexual abuse and to act as supportive first responders when a child discloses is by maintaining healthy, open relationships with children in your life so they know you are a safe adult that, can tell, that they can tell if something happens. Believe them. Very few allegations of child sexual abuse are false. If a child discloses abuse, believe them, support them, and know the mandated reported laws in your community. Try to remain calm so that the child doesn't blame themselves for the abuse. If you react with anger, the child may change or recant their story to avoid the feeling that people are angry at them when abuse is still happening. Help set boundaries for children and pay attention when you feel that other adults are crossing boundaries with children, like demanding physical touch, such as hugs and kisses, spending alone time with a child in a school or church setting. Help uphold and model boundaries and allow children to create boundaries for themselves. There are many other signs of abuse and things you can do to support the youth as they come forth with what has happened to them. I will leave a link for you in the show notes and also on the blog of the Child Sexual Abuse Fact Sheet and other links to support you as you strive to protect the youth in your community. Hopefully, I have said something in this brief episode to help you be mindful of some things we are facing with our children in America and also with our adults who were harmed as children. To all who share in helping our children and adults who suffer this travesty as children heal from these nasty wounds, thank you ever so much. We really appreciate you. You are a great asset in this world. And it is especially important after a life of any form of abuse to see a physician and a mental health specialist to help you excel as you recover. Let us know in the voice message on the Anchor app or by email at proactiveeye at gmail.com some things you do to help you recover. We would love to hear your story and get your perspective on why these things are valuable to you. It has been a pleasure sharing with you today. All links to connect with us and free resources are in the show notes. Feel free to download episodes and take advantage of the free resources provided. You can visit our blog at bit.ly forward slash PE podcast blog. That is B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash PE podcast blog. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Twitter. The handle is at Proactive Eye. And also on Facebook, the handle is at Proactive Eye Podcast. This has been your host, Elegant Granny. Thank you for your support and visit us again. And remember, healing is a continuous process, not a one-shot deal. Much love, peace, light, and healing vibes, family. Stay tuned next week as we begin a new series discussing how to provide safe environments for our youth.